So, Harry, have you ever entered a talent show? And if so, mm. did you win? And what was your talent? <laughs> um, and tell the truth, please. Okay, okay. No most handsome man stories. I've already had that one. Okay, sure. Okay. Yeah. No, I've, I have won plenty of um, uh, beauty pageants in my time, of course. On uh, Monopoly, right? Well, well you sec- come second, sec- second, Monopoly, second yeah. place in a bit. Yeah, yeah, I've got £10 for that many times. Sure. Okay. Anyway, uh, yes, I have performed in a well, talent show of sorts, more of a cabaret. Almost. Oh, really? Yeah. Were you in like stockings and suspenders, the whole cabaret? Yeah. Um, I was actually in a dragged up mermaid costume. Oh, amazing. Um, I went by the name of Eliza. Okay. Um, and I was in an improv challenge. Okay. Tell me more. Uh, well, there wasn't a lot to it. I had to um, eat a biscuit without picking it up with my flippers. <laughs> okay, um, so that... what, the biscuit's on the floor and you're dressed as a full mermaid. Well, no, the biscuit was actually on the side of my face and I've got to kind of roll it down my face into oh, my mouth. Okay. It took me a lot of tries, I'll be honest. I've probably got through two or three packets on stage. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I can't say they were all uh, accidental fails, let's see. What was the costume then? What? How did you dress as a mermaid? So I had a mermaid's tail uh, made uh-huh. out of some fabric. It uh, wasn't that great in uh, in hindsight. I had a golden shell bra uh-huh. and a bright red wig. And that was it? Yeah, that was it. Okay. Do you still own that outfit? No. No. No, I've, I've, I've given it to uh, my best friend from high school. I do not know what he does with it. I think it's a sexual thing. <laughs> okay. So I'm you... not sure. I've not asked. <laughs> There's no chance of you reviving the act in the near no. future. No. <laughs> oh, what a shame. What a shame. I'm sure it gets well used. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are picturing prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to Dreamgirls as part of our season of film starring singers. Yes. That's, <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing from our listeners with the ideas they have posted on our Facebook and Twitter pages. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the original movie and catch you up with a bit of a plot summary. I'm Harry, the host with the most shouty singing voice. I mean, sure. I mean, you don't really sing very often. You're quite in front of shy. you. No, that's what I mean. You're quite shy about your singing voice. Oh, I sing all the time. Like okay. pretty much whenever I'm working, I'm singing. Fair enough. Um, what's your favorite? What's your best tune? What What you normally singing? Uh, or what's on your current rotation? Busted, Avril Lavigne. Okay. Uh, Pink. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that. That's all crap. Okay, contemporary pop. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. High class music. Yeah. And joining me as always, the host with the most chance of being secretly replaced. It's John Lucas. Dare you. <laughs> it's been like five years, Harry. If you haven't replaced me yet, then you've got no chance. Anywho. So Dreamgirls, what do you think of this then? Dreamgirls, yes. The 2006 hit mm-hmm. uh, starring Beyonce and Jennifer Hudson and mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy. I had mixed feelings about this film. I didn't like it at all. Nah. Well, it was your pick. You picked it. Why <laughs> yeah, did you make a film you don't like? Well, I thought I did like it. Okay, yeah. Um, what, watching it back... So I've got a lot. No, no. I'll be honest. I I did like a lot of it, mm. but equally, there's a lot of a lot of things in this that I would change. Yeah, I think I'm the same. It's not a bad film. No, and there's lots to enjoy, and there's some really good musical numbers. Mm-hmm. But it's also 
a lot that's not very good. Yeah. It's way too long. It should be an hour less. It is way, way too long. Yeah. It is far too... I feel like it doesn't... It jumps around the characters too much. Mm-hmm. I feel like it doesn't have it's a... It's too a, long, but it's also too brief. Yeah, it doesn't have a strong focus. I feel like the jump from characters to characters, like an hour and a half into the movie, you're supposed to care about Beyonce's character. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. At that point, it's yeah. too late. We don't care. Yeah, yeah. We're on Jennifer Hudson's side at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not very focused. For every great song, there are two that are absolute shite. <sighs> My God. <laughs> there's some really, really bad songs in this. Yeah. yeah. There's some great ones. Like, I'm yeah. not, te- I'm telling you, obviously. Yeah. Great song. Listen. Listen. Yeah, I'm not a big fan, but fine, yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, but for every one of those, there's also a family or a, yeah. <laughs> or the Eddie Murphy, Jimmy What Got Back song, which is just embarrassing for everyone involved. Yeah. 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 It's... It's a yeah, it's a weird one. It's a weird one. It definitely yeah. has its pluses and you know there's certain things about it that are great. But on the whole, I think it's very sanitized as well. Mm-hmm. It feels like a very cookie cutter kind of sanitized telling of this story. Yeah. I feel like nobody in this film is a real human being. Mm, yeah, I think I yeah. And and like it's well, a musical, no, no, no. so like, you don't it... expect it to be like a deep character study, but sure. It just doesn't really I don't know. It feels like the characters are very thinly written, even for a musical. Yeah, well, yeah, they're, they're given so little. Each of them is given so little to do. Yeah, it just um, needed to be more focused. It's yeah, yeah. I think that what this needed to be was a a mini series. Mm, that could work. Just like an eight to ten episode or six to ten episode show mm-hmm. where they just spend a bit more time on everything because, like, you really don't care about Jamie Fox cheating on Jennifer Hudson. No. Because, like, you, you've seen them for a very, very short amount of time mm-hmm. uh, together. Um, I meant to do the research, but I, I'll be honest, I couldn't be asked. Okay, um, well. I wanted to see if uh, that song, I'm Telling You, goes on for longer than they have screen time together. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Because that song, <laughs> that, that song goes on for a long it's time. It's a long... It, I mean, it's, it's the highlight of the movie, but yes, I agree. It's, it's, it's like a 10-minute number, mm-hmm. if you include everything that happens before and after it that is musical. Sure. And they don't have very much screen time together beforehand. Like their relationship starts and finishes in the first 10, 15 minutes. That's what I mean. Everyone's so two dimensional that it doesn't really land very well. Yeah. The other thing that I noticed this time around is that it was very clear. Like this is, I believe to this day, possibly the highest grossing film of an all black cast. Like there are no white characters as far as I remember. Yeah. I think it's... There's, there's certainly no significant ones. I'm sure no, there's some brief ones. There's John Lithgow and um, John Krasinski. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get to drinking games for, like, <laughs> random cameos, but, uh, yeah, and, but and, significant. And, and there were the the people in the, the music video of that Cadillac song that the white people ripped off. Oh, that was great, yeah. yeah. But no, but no, like, significant but, characters. Yeah, yeah, like, literally, other than that, I don't think yeah. there's white people on screen. Yeah, so... The Beatles is, are mentioned once. Yeah, so in that Not sense... Not by name. Yeah, so in that sense, it's it's very progressive because it is a an all-black cast, mm. uh, and it, it's a very commercially successful movie. Mm-hmm. But one thing I noticed, and is very obvious when you, re- when you realize it, is that... It was directed, written, and all the songs mostly were written by middle-aged white guys. Great. <laughs> and uh, you can very much tell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of the songs, my God. Like, the good ones are really good. Well, I, you know what I really don't like about this? Mm-hmm. Is that it's in the middle... No, it's not in the middle. It's both of the two different types of musicals. Mm-hmm. You know, the musical, which is there's music in the world. Yeah. You know, which would be like an artist singing a song. Or there's musicals which are... I'm very emotional, so I'm just going to sing about it as though I'm in Les Miserables. And this is both. 
Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, and like one of those is good in this. Mm-hmm. Like, as a as a rule of thumb, it's not exclusive, but one of those is good and one of those is bad because when they suddenly start talk singing, that's when it gets really bad. I agree. I was going to say the same thing. That's a real problem I had with this movie too. Is that yeah, that thing where musicals are either sung through where every line of dialogue is a song. Yeah, that can work. Or you can have it where that all the songs are big numbers, like The Greatest yeah. Showman. Yeah, all the songs are big memorable pop songs and in between they just talk like human beings yeah whereas this one it's weird mm. it's like there are the big show tunes mm-hmm. and there's lots of dialogue where nobody's singing and it's just like a real world scene <laughs> yeah and then suddenly out of nowhere in this very awkward and stilted way jamie fox will just burst into song yeah but in a really uncomfortable way yeah <laughs> it, it's it's weird it's really weird and it's done in such a way that nobody's voices are sort of hidden uh in in, in the mix of the music so yeah. It just makes a lot of people sound like they're really bad singers. Yeah. And I, I know that a lot of these people, and you know what? I know that all of these people who are singing in this can sing. Uh-huh. But some people, like, say, the guy who plays Trent Hudson's brother. Sure. He does not sound good in this. No, ever. I don't mean, yeah. Because whenever he's singing, it's talk singing. He doesn't really get a number. He doesn't get a song, yeah. It's talk singing. And so there's not very much music to it mm. to sort of back him up. And yeah. his, his, his voice by, by himself just doesn't sound great, especially as... He's being immediately compared to like Jennifer Hudson and on occasion Beyonce and sure. and Jamie Foxx who can sing to it to a, to an extent. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy's got a great voice. Well, he's got a good voice. I wouldn't say he's like Jennifer Hudson level. No, but he, he can certainly carry you. Like he's yeah. great in this. Like it's interesting. Jennifer Hudson and Eddie Murphy were both the ones who were nominated for Oscars for this. Okay, but it was a real like art imitates life thing because they were both nominated for best supporting actor and best supporting actress. Jennifer mm-hmm. Hudson won, mm-hmm. but. I mean, in terms of screen time, I mean, it's hard to say this movie really jumps around a lot, but <laughs> who would you say is the lead of this movie? Maybe, I don't know, maybe Jamie Foxx. Like he, he's Possibly, a, he's, yeah. he's got the most screen time. Yeah, he's the one who's in it consistently because yeah. Jennifer Hudson disappears for huge chunks of the movie. Yeah. Eddie Murphy disappears for huge chunks of the movie and dies but, halfway through. Yeah, but I'd, I'd say Beyonce's that... not in it that much. No, like, she's, she's, she's in the background from the start to the finish, but she doesn't really get a lot to do. Hmm. So yeah, maybe maybe it is Jamie Foxx, like line for line. Yeah, I guess. Hard but, to say. But it's you know, it's not it's not always judged by that. And I'd, I'd say that if there was a main character in this, I'd say Jennifer Hudson. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they they definitely jump over a lot of a lot of her story. And I don't think that's a symptom of the film. I think that's a symptom of the of the actual stage show because there's a very clear interval in this. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um and after I'm telling you I'm not going. Yeah, that's the main sort of time jump in this. And that's when Pretty much all her interesting plot happens. Yeah, um, yeah. The second half really dragged for me, and so I, so I assume that the, that the interval and that time jump happen exactly the same in the stage show. Sure, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know either, but I would. I, I would know, also I know assume that, it sounds like I'm telling you I'm not going. Is the curtain number? You can yeah. see the curtain coming down. Definitely, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but I know there were some differences. Like I know that Listen wasn't in the stage show. No, it wasn't. Well, that's really interesting too. This movie, like this, the stage show came out in like the seventies, huge, huge hits, you know, mm. so they've been trying to make a movie out of this, or they had been trying to make a movie out of this for like 30 years. Never quite managed the to. Seventies. That's, re- that's really fresh. Cause it was like. Well, like, well I mean, the, 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 wasn't, it, wasn't it like late sixties, early seventies that this film was set? Okay, fine. So it, I think this, the musical opened in the eighties. So like 20 years, fine. It took okay, 20 cool. years to get it made. Right. It's still a long time. Yeah. At one point it was for Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. So they were, they were building up. Back in the peak of Whitney Houston's career, late 80s, early 90s, yeah. uh, it was going to be a Whitney Houston vehicle and they were putting loads of money into it. Yeah. But 
as you mentioned, listen is not in the film, in the stage show. It's written specifically for the film. So that hadn't happened. And when they were trying to build it around Whitney Houston, she wanted to play Beyonce. Like, cause she wasn't, she wasn't going to play the dumpy backing singer. She, she mm. wanted to play like the star. Yeah. So she was supposed to be the Beyonce role, but she also wanted to sing, I'm telling you, I'm not going. So she just misunderstood the film. Well, she just didn't, it wasn't that she misunderstood. I think it was more that she wanted both. Right. Okay. She was like, I'm the star, so I should have the biggest song. Yeah. And I'm not going to be the one who isn't as good of a singer, but the one who isn't as good of a singer is the star. That's the story. So they, they just couldn't make it work because she didn't really get no, it. So nobody came up with the idea that was later came up with for Beyonce. Yeah, so clearly this, a similar thing happened with Beyonce when yeah. she was like, well, okay, fine, I'll play the star, but I'm not going to not have, not a, have a number. Yeah. And so they wrote Listen specifically for the film to give Beyonce a big showstopper number, which kind of doesn't make any sense. Does it not? I don't think so because... I think it really makes sense in the context of the film. Yeah, no, I mean, in terms of her story, mm. sure, it gives her a big... 11 o'clock number that, that's fine but what i mean is like her whole plot is because it's basically the story of diana ross and the supremes it's a very thinly yeah. veiled story about them and it's all about how diana ross never had the biggest voice she wasn't she's not like a big belting mm-hmm. jennifer hudson diva but she was very pretty and you know conventionally attractive and she had this kind of light thin voice and it mm-hmm. kind of worked on pop songs and uh, that was what she was good at and she got pushed to the front yeah and so that's the role Beyonce is playing, which makes sense because Beyonce is very beautiful and mm-hmm. you're conventionally attractive. But then you give her lists. But throughout the whole film, they keep saying, well, you can't sing like Jennifer Hudson can sing though. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, I know I can't. She's the voice and mm-hmm. the face, you know? Yeah. That's the idea. And then they give her listen, which is this huge vocal performance. <laughs> and it just feels like, oh, well, I mean, it's still, she's still not as good of a singer as Jennifer Hudson. Mm-hmm. Because Jennifer Hudson is amazing. But mm-hmm. listen is so huge. It's like, well, she does have a big diva voice mm. and it just kind of takes away from it a little bit, I think. And yeah, it's, it's clearly because Beyonce wanted a big show stopping number. Yes. Even though in the context of the story, her character's not supposed to be that kind of a singer. Yeah. That's what I mean. It, it doesn't quite track. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm nitpicking, but. Yeah. yeah but like, hell, we're not going to have any fun if we're not going to nitpick exactly. this film. Because that's where this film falls apart. 100%. When you nitpick yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so I, I get all that. I'm a big fan of Beyonce and especially that song. And then listening to that song in the context of this film, uh, I really think it adds something a bit more to this film because it just, it signifies that character's big realisation. Sure. I just wish they'd given more build-up to to her character because I felt like it was too late in the movie for you to be expected to care about what was going on in her life. Well, that's a common problem throughout the entire movie where everything that happens is seemingly out of nowhere. Yes, true. Yeah. There's not really any foreshadowing at all in any in anything in this and it needed a lot more of that sort of thing mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen presenting the dreams dreamettes little girls you're women now see dina i told you <laughs> we open in a week so we got a lot of work to do we're gonna have a lot of changes i'm bringing on jolly jenkins to stage a whole new show he's done movies broadway club acts you name it new wigs the expensive kind <laughs> brand new costumes to appeal to a younger crowd and um effie Dina's going to sing lead. <laughs> Dina's doing what? Uh, we've not actually done a plot summary. Well, okay, well, hit me. Okay, so we start off in a talent show uh-huh. where Beyonce and Jennifer Hudson and... Anna no- Canoni Rose. And number three are... Uh, <laughs> and Michelle. <laughs> sure. <laughs> she was called Michelle as well, wasn't she? No, her character was called Laurel, but close was enough. It? Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. But yeah, she's the Michelle of the group, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. They've managed to get themselves a gig at this talent show mm-hmm. and... 
they they sing the house down and the way that that we're shown it like they're they're supposed to be the best actor or whatever mm-hmm. but they don't win the, uh, the the guy who was on before them it looks like he, it was rigged for him to win or something yeah well, they um, kind of they kind of imply that the whole music industry is very rigged in this film. Yeah, like yeah. It's all, which is probably very true. But mm. yeah, he's the one who's got the record label support or whatever, so he wins. Mm. So the girls are all quite disappointed by it, but um, uh, backstage, Jamie Fox comes up to them and says, "Like, hey, I can I can I can get you a gig if you're willing to sing backing for Jimmy Early, mm-hmm. which is Eddie Murphy. Yeah, who's like a sort of little Richard James Brown kind of, you know, yeah. very sexual." Heart for your R&B singer. Yeah. Yeah. Bit dangerous, bit wild. Yeah. Yeah. And Jennifer Hudson has a big problem with this because she's like, I don't want to sing backing because I don't, that's, that's not the kind of thing that I do. I don't mm-hmm. sing backing. I sing lead. But uh, she's getting a bit caught up because this is their big break. Like they get to sing behind this big artist mm-hmm. with the promise of, you know, like a, a tour, which they which they do go on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's the start of their, their big break. She's not up for it, but they all peer pressure her into it. Sure. And they do it and it goes well. Mm-hmm. And after a while, Jamie Foxx splits them out of the tour mm-hmm. and they get their own solo deal. Well, yeah, it's because he's... So Jamie Foxx has... He's trying to push Eddie Murphy. He's managing Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And he's trying to like make him a star. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it's still, you know, very segregated music, you know, mm-hmm. The radios prefer to play white boys. And so the other main character is Jennifer Hudson's brother, who's a songwriter. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be like, I don't know, uh, Smokey Robinson or, uh, you know, Marvin Gaye kind mm-hmm. of person. He writes a hit for Eddie Murphy called Got Me a Cadillac. Yeah. And when Eddie Murphy's character sings it, it's like a banging R&B kind of tune. It's very mm-hmm. aggressive and soulful. And mm-hmm. and so he sings it and it starts climbing up the charts and then the whitest boy in the world covers it. Like <laughs> the most, the most comedically white, yeah. you know, corn fed beach boy sings it in this mm-hmm. very kind of white voice with his little guitar. And he's mm-hmm. just like, got me a Cadillac, Cadillac car. And it goes straight to number one. And that's when Jamie Foxx kind of realizes, Oh, if we want to compete with the white boys, we need to like pander to them. We mm-hmm. can't be too like quote unquote, too black. Like we, yeah. we can't be too sexual. We can't be too funky. We can't be too aggressive. We have mm-hmm. to be, play it safe mm-hmm. and so that's the direction he tries to push eddie murphy in and then it culminates in this showcase this mm-hmm. big nightclub act that he builds around eddie murphy with the dream girls as they're mm-hmm. called beyonce jennifer yeah. Hudson, and anna canoni rose as the backing vocalists and it starts with eddie murphy singing this very like safe you know middle of the road ballad yeah. which all the housewives and all the rich ladies in the crowd are really enjoying you mm-hmm. know but then halfway through he starts he stops like mid-song. He stops mid-song and he does his own thing because mm. that's not the music he likes. He's a, he's a yeah. soul singer. He's an R&B singer. He's got mm-hmm. swagger. And then he starts doing his own thing, which is very much more, se- a lot more sexual mm-hmm. and a lot more raw. Like mm. he's, he's, rather than singing in this very smooth voice, he's like screaming out and ad-libbing and, you know, yeah. doing all kinds of jazzy stuff. And all the white people are very uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. A few of them walk out. And that makes Jamie Foxx realize that he's not going to be marketable enough. Yeah. He's never going to be able to fit into that little box that he wants him to. Mm-hmm. So instead he decides to separate Eddie Murphy from the dream girls mm-hmm. and push them as a, like a very safe family friendly girl band. Mm-hmm. But in doing so in all of the build up, Jennifer Hudson has been the lead singer and yes. Beyonce has been backing vocal. Like, yes. Cause Jennifer Hudson has the voice. She's got this incredible, incredible vocal range. She's amazing. But when Jamie Foxx, you know, I, I, sorry, I noticed in this that clearly Jennifer Hudson had been given the instruction, like, you need to sing 
loud and mm. like strong all the time. And so almost all of her singing in this, she's turned it up to 15 out yeah. of 10. I mean, that is how she sings. Well, sure, but it just felt, you know, I've, I've never, I don't think I've heard any of her music outside of this. Mm-hmm. And it just really felt over the top. Yeah. Like just how loud and strong that she's singing. And like compared to Beyonce, as Beyonce, not as uh, the character in this, there's a lot more range there. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is just always so loud and screamy and it was just, it was, it was too much. It was kind of annoying. It wasn't enjoyable anymore. That's because you're too white. Thank you. Um, <laughs> On the other end of the spectrum, Beyonce had clearly been told to like tone it down a bit because like she's playing a softer character, sure, a, a yeah. softer voice. She's playing character. Diana Ross, yeah. yeah. And like I could tell from like obviously I know how Beyonce sings, and she wasn't doing any of the stuff that she obviously later does in Listen. Yeah, and it was all very light, and it was just it felt so extremely different those two that it was just I don't know maybe it was well this is not a subtle film Harry no yeah true <laughs> maybe they were trying to make it less subtle so that more people could pick up on it. Sure, perhaps, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, also, this film is very, especially with the way the Oscars happened, it, it was, and the, I think the reason Jennifer Hudson won an Oscar, I mean, she's she's great in the film, mm. but there was a real kind of art imitating life storyline mm-hmm. because Jennifer Hudson became famous from American Idol. Mm-hmm. She was on season three of American Idol and she came on and she was this like, you know, she wasn't anyone famous. She was a complete nobody, but she, mm-hmm. she auditioned and she had this, she was kind of rough around the edges. She had no money and she wasn't very glamorous, but she had this incredible, huge voice, like mm. unbelievable knock your socks off voice. Yeah. Uh, and she came like ninth. She got knocked out really early in the live shows. Yeah. And everyone was like, that's crazy that she got mm. knocked out. But who won? Nobody remembers. Great. Doesn't matter. You know, that's <laughs> no, nobody who has who's had anything like the career she's had. Nobody mm. with an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing. Like it's, these shows are weird. Like it's not the most talented. It's, you know, lots yeah. of, yeah, it's usually the, 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 the winners of them never get remembered. It's always the, the runners up. Yeah. The winner is usually the blandest, safest, you yeah. know, easiest person to, for everyone to enjoy. Yeah. But yeah, so she got knocked out super early and it was a big scandal because I think the week she went out with like all of the three black girls in the final 12 were mm. in the bottom three. And it was just right. like, well, clearly this is not yeah. what people are voting for. Yeah. But so then she gets cast in this film and Beyonce is also cast and you feel, oh, this is Beyonce's Oscar role. This is mm. Beyonce's Oscar vehicle. Yeah. And then Jennifer Hudson steals the show and wins yeah. the Oscar and Beyonce kind of gets forgotten. So yeah. there was a real kind well, of... Well, it wasn't the role, like Beyonce's role in this wasn't an Oscar winning role. True, true, true. Like, I don't, think, I don't, I don't think Beyonce could have played it any better to get an Oscar. Beyonce's fine. Yeah, she, the, yeah, she, the, the writing in this she film... She absolutely is. The writing in this film doesn't give her anything. You're right, she doesn't have like an Oscar, apart from Listen, mm. she doesn't really have any Oscar scenes. It's no. not really, but... But I, I think Beyonce is... Well, it's not enough nuance to the character. Like, no, she, no, like, it's, it's, a, it's a very two-dimensional character. She's very one note all the way through mm. until Listen. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, well, also, I still think Beyonce is a very good actress. It. I don't think she's no. she's not distractingly bad. No, definitely not. She's absolutely fine. But she's boring. Yeah. She's basically boring. Yeah. That's the worst thing you can say. She's quite boring. I, I think I remember her being, a, being better in Cadillac Records, which maybe I should I mean, have, sure, I've not seen which, that. Which maybe I should have picked instead. It would have been a different conversation, but yeah. Absolutely. I've not seen Beyonce in a role where she's actually had to like really try and act. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know that she doesn't cut like records. Okay. Well, maybe I forget time. how well she does it, but she doesn't. Sure. But anyway, yeah. So Jennifer Hudson very much had that narrative. Where were we in the story? I had a point to that. Where were we in the story? Jennifer Hudson getting fired. Yeah. So Jennifer Hudson gets pushed into back. She's not fired yet. She gets pushed into being the backing vocalist and mm-hmm. Beyonce is now the star. Oh yeah. 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 This commence another montage yes commencing another montage as the girl group becomes huge hugely successful mm-hmm. with beyonce becoming uh, or dina as she's known in the film mm. she becomes a huge sensation she's being pushed very much to the front mm-hmm. uh jamie fox in the build-up to all this has been dating jennifer hudson mm-hmm. they've got a relationship mm-hmm. but as 
the band takes off, it's clear that he's paying much more attention to Dina. Yeah. And Jennifer Hudson notices. And that's as as well as her being incredibly like hurt and, you know, insecure about the fact that she's been pushed into a backing vocalist role. Mm-hmm. Seeing her boyfriend also now giving all his attention to Beyonce is just mm-hmm. adding more and more to her anxiousness. And as a result, she acts out and she starts misbehaving, turning up late for gigs, talking back to people, being mm-hmm. difficult, being basically being a diva. Yeah. She's being a diva, but she's not, because she's not the star, she can't get away with it. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of rouses everyone else up and ultimately leads to her being fired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think happens in a scene where he also calls her fat. Yeah, like, it's a it's a pretty brutal uh, yeah. way of uh, firing it. Well, it, it's the I'm telling you, I'm not going scene. Yeah. So there's the song before I'm not telling you, which I think is the more fun song. It's not, obviously it's not as iconic, but which one? it's all over. I don't remember. It's the one where he calls her fat. Okay. It's, it's that, you know, you listen here, you listen, Miss Effie Wet. You know? mm-hmm. I don't take no talk from no second class diva. You can't even sustain a career. <laughs> no? No memory? No, no, I remember that a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now nice. we're telling. It, it, I mean, the two songs are very much like they go together. Sure, yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, they just don't. There's not really a break between them. No. Now, I hate to sound exactly like the way that white people are depicted in this movie. Sure, but prepare yourself. I'm ready. I preferred all the music and the Greatest Showman to this. I mean, it's very different. It's extremely it's, different. It's, it's pop song, but just so. like we uh, we did that what two episodes ago. Sure, sure, sure. So it's just on my mind. Well, I think in the Greatest Showman, pretty much all of the. The hit rate is a lot higher. Yeah. Pretty yeah, much all that, of the songs are catchy and memorable and standout moments. Yeah. This film has maybe three great musical numbers. I'd say three attempts. Three attempts. I don't think they're great musical numbers. Well, I think I'm, I'm telling you is iconic. I think it just is. Sure. It's just, it might not be like your favorite song, but it's, yeah. it's like, it's so impressive vocally and it's mm-hmm. so memorable and it's genuinely like, you know, people are going to be singing that to the end of time, you know? Mm-hmm um i really no they will like on talent shows and stuff it, it's just one of those it's very cute it is i'm not it, i don't love it i don't love it it's not a song i would like choose to listen to outside of this film yeah i would i would never like put it on to listen to yeah but it's a big music it, it's a big song until the end of time well until you know while people are singing songs okay that must i'm not been... saying you're wrong it was just it's just funny <laughs> okay like Maybe... you are so like you're you're more into that than i am in than, than i'm into listen Probably, yeah. But I mean, I would never choose to listen to it, but no. I'm, I'm just saying like, it's a classic. It's, you know, it's like, mm. you're the one that I want from Greece or something. I mean, not as much fun, but you know what I mean? Like, See, I don't think that, I, and I'm telling you, I don't think it's a very catchy song. It's more like, that it's... I, I, I can't remember how it goes. It's not stuck in my head at all. And not mm. that like, listen or something is super catchy, but I can at least remember it. I can remember and it. And I am telling you, I'm not going. No? And then what? You're the best man I've ever known. No, 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 no way. No, 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 no way. I'm living without you. Come on, it's all there. That was that was good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> None of that will make the edit. But... Oh, I miss karaoke nights. <laughs> no, it, I'm just. I'm not saying it's the best song ever written. Yeah. I'm just saying, the Greatest Showman is full of like very good pop songs. Yes. Dreamgirls has like two or three amazing top draw iconic classics mm-hmm. and a whole load of shit yeah there's, there's no like middle ground well, the, the like, good ones are great and the rest are just filler it's that like i don't even like all the good ones mm, well fair enough that's, and that's fine <laughs> so, like that, yeah. yeah but like in in some in other things like the greatest showman or greece or mm. you know many other examples sure there's just so many like songs that are memorable 
that you're bound to like one or two of them at least. Sure, sure, sure. And that's probably going to bring the whole film up if you like the music. Like like we said in the Greatest Showman episode, if you if if you get the music right, you you'll be sure. all right. The, the film will be all right. Yeah, and that's the thing with this. There are, there are like in the Greatest Showman. I don't think every song is amazing, but you're never more than no. 10 minutes away from a really big number. Yeah. Whereas this yeah. film, you could be a whole hour away. Yeah. If you, <laughs> the and ones I really like. It's so long as well. It's this so long, film. Yeah. This film doesn't need to be a half hour shorter. It needs to be a full hour shorter. Probably. It's two and a half hours just under, yeah. Yeah. So it could certainly be a 90 minute film, I think. Yeah. Just, just make it about one character. Yeah. Jennifer Hudson's not in it for like 45 minutes. <laughs> and those are the boring 45 minutes. So clearly, <laughs> you know, you know what you need mm-hmm. to do. But yeah. The, the songs I really like in this, uh, I'm telling you I'm not going, and It's All Over, which are all one piece, but mm-hmm. work really well. Uh, I really like Love You, I Do. Mm-hmm. That's probably my favorite song. You know, no, the one that uh, J- Jennifer Hudson sings to Jamie Foxx at the beginning. Oh, yeah. I love you, I do. do. The, one, the really funky one with all the trumpets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That feels like a proper song. Yeah. And I liked most of the Eddie Murphy stuff. Well, I mean, his rap one was very embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it I was so it was so <laughs> written by that was the one like oh this was clearly written by middle-aged white guys like he, <laughs> he does his best to make it sound like a prince song but mm. it's not good no. uh, the worst song by far is family mm-hmm. yeah mean, yes truly shoot me in the head awful yeah. hate it um <laughs> no yeah love you i do is really good that's like the funkiest one i think uh what was the other one i liked um, oh well we'll get to the other one because it's part of the plot mm. but yes so th- there are a few good ones but yeah you're right there's a lot of songs that don't really work in this mm-hmm. yeah yeah but I'm, not, I'm telling you happens, J-Hood gets fired. And that's the close of the first uh, act. The curtain goes down, yeah. yeah. She gives her a big gasp of breath. And... <laughs> I love that. I don't know why it always makes me laugh. Like, I know it's like an emotional moment, but when mm. she kind of goes... Because you're right, she's... She's singing... At... She's singing at 15 at yeah. the whole time. She starts at 15 and she finishes yeah. at 15. Uh, but it's just the way she kind of goes, I'm not going to try it because I don't have a voice. <laughs> and I've already worn myself out. But when she does her biggest note and then she just kind of goes... <laughs> it really yeah. tickles me. Yeah. <laughs> It just sent me over the edge because, yeah. like, that song, because it's like two or three songs all in one, like, yeah. it just goes on for so long. And every now and then she stops and she takes one of these massive intakes of breath mm-hmm. because she's got so much more to do. Yeah. And it's all so much. And she does that. And by the end, it's just like one one breath will get one note. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's it. And I don't know. It's, it's a bit much. No, it is. And she is the kind of singer. I mean, even in other stuff she's done, she's. She's an amazing singer, but she does very much sing at that very top point mm. all the time. So, yeah. And not that's not to everyone's taste. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, anyway, so then Act 2 comes in. Yeah. And we get up with a, with a news report. Oh, well, this know, is when it gets how, a bit how, social how, consciousness. How, 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 how do they it? do it? Yeah, because they... Because in the background, they very softly touch about the Detroit the Detroit riots and Martin yeah. Luther King being murdered and all that kind of... I mean, yeah. they really soft pedal it. It's yeah. very barely... There's a brief moment when Jennifer Hudson runs outside and, oh my God, there's a riot. Like, mm, yeah. It's not particularly gritty. But yeah, that's kind of in the background. Yeah. But it does mean that it informs the characters because at this point, we've jumped into the future a bit. Like, mm-hmm. Beyonce's now a megastar mm-hmm. in the band very established and basically Jamie Foxx's record label, which is basically Motown. Again, yeah. it's very much about the Motown label. Mm-hmm. It's got Eddie Murphy. It's got Beyonce. It's got other girl, you know, mm-hmm. and various other people. Number three, number three, it's got Michelle Williams. Yeah. yeah and all the others. And, it's, and now it's got number four as well. And now number four, the new, the, the replacement Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they're, they're all in Jamie Foxx's like record label stable basically. Yeah. And they're all trying, they want to sing about what's happening. They want to sing about current events and sing about, you know, by the way, obviously this is based off the Supremes. Yes, 100%. Based off the Supremes. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know my my history on the Supremes. Was there a, a fourth? Was there a Jennifer Hudson who who got unceremoniously replaced? Yes. Is that a thing? No, hundred percent. Yes, there was a there was a member of the Supremes. So it's it's literally the exact same story. So Supremes in the sixties become this huge girl band sensation. Mm-hmm. Diana Ross is sleeping with the manager, gets mm-hmm. pushed to the front. Uh, she's also like you know very pretty and very glamorous and mm-hmm. makes sense. The singer Florence Ballard, she was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, was pushed behind. Uh, it, it's actually even because this film is very sanitized. In real, in the real world, um, Florence Ballard got fired from the group, much like Effie does. Mm-hmm. But rather than have a baby and like live her own life, she mm. died of a drug overdose a few years later. Yeah. So it, it's very dark. But yeah, so yeah. that it's it's very much based on that. Yeah. And then the, they replaced her with a, another girl who stayed with the band for a long time. Mm. So yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, if they'd have just ended the film there in Dreamgirls, then it would have actually been a decent length. It would have been, it would have been just incredibly <laughs> bleak, but very, a bit more a bit more truthful, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's grim. Well, anyway, that doesn't happen here. She uh, doesn't age a day, but has a 10-year-old daughter. Well, she loses her wigs. Yeah. <laughs> she, she runs out of bad wigs to wear, and she yeah. just got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we, le- we learned that when Jennifer Hudson was fired, she was pregnant with Jamie Foxx's baby, but she, mm-hmm. she never tells him. Yeah. So... We flash forward to eight years later and she's picking up like poverty checks. Like, you know, she's unemployment checks mm-hmm. and she's got an eight-year-old daughter, but she's too proud to tell Jamie Foxx that mm. she had his baby. So yeah. she's fully, you know, washed up, you know, mm-hmm. just not in the music industry anymore. Mm. Meanwhile, Beyonce is a huge star. Jamie Foxx is trying to turn her into a movie star. Mm-hmm. He's trying to put her in a all-star remake of Cleopatra. Oh yeah. And she's kind of like, complaining that she's too old to play the role because mm-hmm. Cleopatra's supposed to be 16 and clearly Beyonce is like 35 at this point, mm-hmm. which again is a little dig at Diana Ross because Diana Ross starred in a film called The Wiz, mm-hmm. which is a all-black remake of The Wizard of Oz, which is actually very good. Yeah. It has some great songs, but it does involve Diana Ross at the age of like 37 playing <laughs> a 15-year-old Judy Garland. It does look weird. Right, okay. So that, there's a lot of digs at Diana Ross in this film. Yeah. Or like references to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically Jamie Foxx is just, he's very sanit- Oh, that's it. Because we were talking about the riots, weren't we? And mm. the um, Martin Luther King dying and, all, and the Detroit riots, etc. Mm-hmm. So the singers that Jamie Foxx is managing, particularly Eddie Murphy and Anna Kinoni Rose and mm-hmm. all of those, that crew, they really want to sing about things that are real. They want to sing about, you know, current events and actually give a voice to their community yeah and effie jennifer hudson's brother cc who's the main songwriter he's writing all of these very political songs and mm-hmm. they they sing a great song called uh is it patience i think so yeah yeah which is which very much speaks to the times that the characters are living in yeah and they're like oh this is this is finally this especially eddie Mur- that's it. it's eddie murphy gets to sing lead on this song yeah it's like his his big number yeah like, and like this is what i've been waiting for for all this time this this is a true hit this is yeah. a true and not only a true hit but like an important song and it means something it's gonna yeah, mean like, something yeah exactly yeah and jamie fox just like shuts it down yeah he's like no we don't we don't sing message songs we sing commercial pop songs that sell records mm-hmm. and the fact that he's so dismissive just pushes Eddie Murphy into even deeper into self-destructive mode. Mm-hmm. We already know that he's a womanizer and he's also a drug addict. Yeah. And uh, it pushes him into this very dark place. Like he immediately starts taking heroin just yeah. like there and then. I mean, yeah, again, the film's not terribly subtle about this. No. Uh, but yeah, so he's very depressed. And then there's a huge concert tribute to Jamie Foxx. Yeah. That Eddie Murphy performs at. And Eddie Murphy gets on stage mm-hmm. and once again, he starts singing in a very commercial and safe way and then immediately he goes full r&b star and he starts Mm -hmm. rapping he sings this dreadful song the uh (laughs) jimmy jimmy likes this jimmy likes that yeah which is is, i I get like 
credit to Eddie Murphy because he's giving it the full Prince treatment. And you, can, you yeah. can see what it's trying to do. It's just a terrible song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a really terrible song. Uh, but he also pulls his pants down mm-hmm. and he's clearly like high, high as a kite. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and he gets fired by yeah. Jamie Foxx for yeah. humiliating him basically. And then... That's the last we see of him. Yeah, the, the next thing we see is he has... Uh, is the newsreel that he's overdosed and died. Mm-hmm. Essentially because... Jamie in the died. offices of Rainbow Records. In the office, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, And also he was having a long-term affair with... Michelle Williams. Number three. Number three, yeah. Who, who had just broken up with him because of mm-hmm. the pant pulling incident. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so she feels incredibly guilty and she's heartbroken as well. So yeah. that's that plot line gets more airtime than I think it deserves. <laughs> it, it, no, I, it either gets too no, much no, no. or too little. No, I, I disagree. It gets it gets as much airtime as it deserves, but as a ratio compared to every, every other plot line, this one gets more. It gets more, more than everybody yeah. else. Like if it, it either needed to have 20 minutes more airtime or 10 minutes less. Yeah. 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 I think everything just needed more. Pretty much it. But I, not in the sense that I wanted this to be a four hour movie. No. Like, like I, I'm, I'm standing by miniseries. Miniseries with each episode being an hour on each character. Yes. Yeah. That would have worked really well. Well, not like an hour on each character, but like, you know, yeah, just like, yeah, but just, a, just giving everything a bit more time. Yeah. But anyway, so Eddie Murphy dies. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Jennifer Hudson is pursuing a comeback in her own world. She's being managed by Danny Glover, who we haven't talked about, but no, he's not that important. Yeah, I don't really know who he was. Well, he was Eddie Murphy's manager. He's right. like the old geezer mm-hmm. who doesn't age at all. Well, I mean, he's he, he's like... Well, no one does. No one does, no. Yeah, he's like uh, the granddad from The Greatest Showman. Yeah. Like he's, he's, yeah. he's 80 at the start and he's 80 at the end and time just hasn't passed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But she's kind of pursuing a comeback, doing like very small club gigs. Mm-hmm. And she, yeah, she, she gets a gig and she sings this very empowering, you know, ballad. Mm-hmm. And clearly she's still got the voice, but she doesn't have the confidence mm-hmm. and yeah. she doesn't have the connections. But after Eddie Murphy dies, her brother quits the record label, Cece, because mm-hmm. he's really disillusioned with the way that Jamie Foxx is running things and the mm-hmm. way that he's like trying to keep things very commercial and not letting them experiment or be their true selves. So he quits, he walks away and he reconnects with his sister and he apologizes for the way he didn't stand by her back in the day. Mm-hmm. And he writes her this song yeah. called One Night Only, yeah, which he, he wants to give her to be her comeback hit. And it's like his apology to her. Mm. And it's this big, soulful, powerful ballad. And uh, he, he gives it to her and she you know, knocks out the park and mm-hmm. she sings it and it starts climbing the charts. And once again, when Jamie Foxx hears it, he's like, no, kill it. Shut mm-hmm. it down. Yeah. Uh, he gets Beyonce to record a disco version of the song, mm-hmm. which straight away goes to number one. And yeah. Effie's version is buried, basically. Yeah. Now, here's my complaints about this sequence. Okay. The Beyonce version of One Night Only fucking slaps. It's amazing. <laughs> like, the Beyonce version is far superior and deserves to be the bigger hit. Yeah. It's a very, like, the Jennifer Hudson song is fine. It's a ballad. But give give me. I mean, I loved this sequence. It was so funny mm. when, like, because it's so like this is dirty. Like, because you know, Jennifer Hudson sing. <laughs> do you remember, like, Jennifer Hudson singing it very like you know, one. It's it's very soulful. Yeah. yeah. And then Beyonce sings it, and it's like the gayest thing in the world. Like, there's just like <laughs> greased up, oiled muscle. You know, pit crew. But it's like you know, mm-hmm. hey, pit crew. It's basically that. Like, <laughs> oh, pit crew. Yeah. It's fully a pit crew performance. Yes, it is. And. <laughs> I loved it. It was fantastic. <laughs> but it's also a more fun version of the song. Mm-hmm. I listen to more often. Yeah. We're supposed to think it's like disgusting that it was done in a disco style, but it actually like <laughs> fully works. So what? What are you going to do? What? Well, there's a reason why Jamie Foxx's character, despite being evil, is very successful. Yes, he's very canny. Yeah, he yeah, knows the like, industry. Yeah, sure. It, like, 
ripping music off doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be worse. No, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that he he is doing something right, even if it's morally wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I wish the film had spent a bit more time on that, like the mm. the nuance rather than just making him this like cartoon villain. Yeah. But anyway, so Beyonce now has the hit, and Effie's been buried again, and she's obviously heartbroken. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, and then the film just kind of forgets Effie for a while and just spends a way too much time on Beyonce. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed I enjoyed the montage of her in just like all kinds of different makeup. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. When she's well, again, it's all Diana Ross photo shoots. It's just yeah. like a huge. Were they, were they like? Were they Beyonce in in exact positions that Diana Ross was originally yes, in? Yes, hundred percent. Right. Right. It's cool. not subtle. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... I bet that Beyonce's ego was very happy with that. Of course it was. Of course it was, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so then Beyonce, uh, it, she's still pursuing her film career. She wants to do something a bit more personal, a bit more raw. Mm. She doesn't want to do the Cleopatra movie because she knows she's too old for it and she knows it's going to be embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So she's pursuing her own performance in a kind of a grittier kind of movie where she gives a blowjob or something. There's, 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 <laughs> that's the conversation they have where like she has to do something that she wouldn't, but that's the whole point. It's, she wants to like break out of her clean and perfect image and mm. be like a real actress. Yeah. And that's when she has the meeting with John Lithgow and John Krasinski mm-hmm. drink for cameos. But once again, Jamie Foxx gets wind of it and shuts it down for her. Yeah. And at what point does Effie come back? Does somebody die? Is it a funeral? Who dies? Well, she sings at um, Eddie Murphy's wake. Oh, that's it. It's when Eddie Murphy dies. Yeah. yeah. That's it. She comes back for the wake and sings. Yeah. And at some point, her and Beyonce are reconnected briefly. Mm-hmm. And she admits that she had Jamie Foxx's baby. Yep. And then that kind of gives Beyonce a whole wake-up call. Mm-hmm. She leaves Jamie Foxx, records mm-hmm. Listen as mm-hmm. like a final fuck you kind yeah. of thing. Goes off and does her own thing. And... Is that the end? Yeah, that's pretty much the end. And then all it ends with the Dream Girls reuniting. They do yeah. a, they do a farewell concert. This is it. Mm-hmm. So the Dream Girls as a group do a farewell concert. It's Beyonce. Mm-hmm. It's Michelle Williams. It's number four, <laughs> and it's, and they invite Jennifer Hudson back on stage and explain yeah. that she was one of the original Dream Girls. Yep. She gets her moment in the sun. She gets to sing. She, she gets sing to be, lead while she the, they're including Beyonce they're just singing backing like yep. just backing Jay Hood gets to sing lead it's yep. fantastic Jamie Foxx makes eye contact with his daughter and does the weirdest well, facial well, expression well first of all actually Jamie Foxx has shown up with a new girl with a new woman yeah yeah because Beyonce's left him he's got a new woman he's like this yeah. girl's gonna be my new star yeah um, <laughs> nobody cares um, <laughs> yeah yeah and then he's sat in the crowd and he sees Jennifer Hudson's daughter and mm-hmm. does the most amazing face of like is that my daughter? Yeah, it's so, it's so cheesy. It's very cheesy. Um, but and, yeah. then he go, and then he goes down. He's up on a balcony mm. and he goes down to the floor seats where she is and he stands next to her and just stares at her. In a very creepy way. Yeah. yeah. And then like the camera looks at the looks at the daughter and the daughter, like at, the film's supposed to be making it like she's mesmerized by seeing her mother on stage living sure. her dream. And like the daughter's crying with emotion about it. Mm-hmm. But I'm just seeing it. I was like, Mummy, why is there a scary man staring at me? Yes, exactly. Because that's what it like. She, he, he's nothing to her. Yeah. She's never seen him before in her life. True. It's like, take a seat, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. A man who previously in a film said, you'll always be 16 to me, babe. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, that was hard. <laughs> that was rough. Um, but yes, that's basically where the film ends. Yeah. It, it ends with them triumphantly performing and Jamie Cox has been... Jamie Fox. <laughs> Jamie Cox. <laughs> it ends with Beyonce and the Dream Girls triumphantly performing, yep. and Jamie Fox has uh, been in fact, put in no, his place. It ends with Jennifer Hudson and the Dream Girls. Sorry, yes, Jennifer Hudson has been vindicated. Yeah, yeah. And then the credits roll. That's the end. Yeah, good credits. 
Yeah. 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 It's got classic credits where you see the characters just it's montage again. Yeah. Another montage. Yeah. But anyway, it's over. It's over. A reasonable pick. Yeah, it was it was alright. It was, it was fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah, I mean we're early in the year, but this is the worst of the year so far, I think. Oh interesting. Okay. Interesting. It's definitely not anywhere near the worst that happened last year though. Sure. Got some got some duds that uh, will take some beating. Sure. Well, we'll see what happens next week. <laughs> okay, so drinking games? Yes. So the first drinking game I've got, uh, drink whenever Jimmy refers to Jimmy in third person. Oh, yes. <laughs> this is uh, Eddie Murphy's character. He's, <laughs> yeah, very much a third person kind of star. Yeah. yeah. Jimmy got to be Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think he, I don't think he ever says I no. at all. He's always talk, talking about himself in a third person. It's really entertaining. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. No, he, he he's he's a lot of fun. He's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Uh my first drinking game is a drink for wigs. I mean it's a standard. Oh big time, yeah. This is a wiggy wiggy movie. Yeah. Like they're working from some rough wigs in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like they have a whole conversation about wigs. At the start. At the start yeah. where they're like, Oh, these wigs are terrible, we need to flip them back to front. Yeah. But then I noticed later in the movie, um, throughout a lot of the girl group scenes, when it's still Beyonce, Michelle mm-hmm. and Jennifer Hudson are supposed to be like a trio yeah. backing up Eddie Murphy's character. I noticed that Beyonce had the best wigs by a long way. Yeah. Like the three of them would be together and Michelle and Jennifer Hudson, mm-hmm. their wigs would be a mess. Yeah. But Beyonce would have like a perfect lace front that was just perfectly blended into her hairline and she would look mm-hmm. fabulous. It was like, even though they're supposed to be like all three on the same level, it was like Beyonce had a different wig budget. <laughs> it's Beyonce. She, she wasn't wearing any cheap wigs. Like, no, it was good time. not. I also enjoyed a lot of the fake wigs when they're, they're supposed to be their natural hair. Oh, yeah. Like, that really tickled me. Yeah. Like, later in the movie when they're, like, supposed to be being real, you know, when, like, Jennifer <laughs> Hudson's got the baby and Beyonce's just, like, hanging out at home, but mm. it, they were still heavy wigs. <laughs> I didn't notice. Oh, I love that. I, I've not got a very good wig dar, so I don't oh, know pick up my on wig, my wig dar is supreme. It's yeah. great. <laughs> Drink whenever a new person starts singing for the first time. Ooh, okay, yeah. So a new character. Yeah. So not drunk for every song, because that's boring. No. But I mean, like drink when, oh, I didn't see Jennifer Hudson's brother having a song. I didn't expect that. Sure. Here's, here's Supreme number four. She's, yeah. she's now getting a yeah. line or two. I didn't realize <laughs> she was supposed to be a character. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's definitely ties into another one of mine, which is drink every time Jamie Foxx starts singing and you zone out. Because <laughs> he gets all the worst. So, I mean, yeah. Jamie Foxx, like very good singer, don't get me wrong. Mm. In his own life, obviously, you know, yeah. great singer. Um, but in this film, he gets all the worst numbers. Yeah. And he is definitely like... We are a family united like a tree. Mm-hmm. Just now. <laughs> Hate it. Just zoned out completely. Yeah. Instantly out. So, yeah, he just drink through his numbers because it's the only way to get through them, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, last one I got is drink whenever a song's lyrics think they're very subtle and smart, but are actually very on the nose. Oh, yes. The <laughs> lyrics were terrible. It was such fun. <laughs> what was your favorite bad lyric? Um, I think it was Eddie Murphy's Welcome to the Dark Side. Oh, yeah. Like step step out into the dark. Step into the dark Step side. into the bad side. Step yeah, into yeah. the bad side. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did I like? Listen I, by Beyonce. Like, I mean, that was just, that wasn't subtle, but it was pretty, it was on the nose, but I yeah. thought there was an early one. Oh, I think I wrote it down because it made me laugh. <laughs> I don't think I wrote it down, but it, it was something like, I feel just like the Titanic and we're going down, down. It, it wasn't even, it wasn't even that though. It was terrible. It was really bad. Like, Great. Yeah. The, the, the lyrics were not the best. Like I said, all written by middle-aged white guys. Yeah. Like it's a very, 
unsubtle pastiche of soul. It's not, that's the thing. It doesn't feel like real, like R&B and soul music. It feels very like pastiche and cheap, mm-hmm. which kind of takes away from it a little bit. Yeah. Which yeah. Is a, it's a shame. If the songs were as good as the story, it would be amazing. Like if, if they were just singing Diana Ross songs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have another singing one actually. And okay. this, is, this is a big drinking game. Yeah. Drink every time Jennifer Hudson goes into the scream register. Yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> or, or anyone, but particularly Jennifer Hudson. Like, well, it's pretty much only her. It's mostly it? her, yeah. Until the, her, the, the second half of Listen. Sure, yeah. I mean, I guess it's her thing. But yeah, every time she goes, I'm not, I, I can't, I can't yeah, don't, don't, it. Please don't try. No, I can't. But you know what I mean? You'll know it when mm. you hear it. Every time she goes up into that level. Every time she needs to take a <gasps> Yeah, breath. exactly, yeah. All that. Yeah. Take a big old drink. Yeah. Oh, God, that nearly gave me a heart attack. Oh, I mean, I think you might have over-exerted a bit there. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to exaggerate it, but it's not exaggerated anyway. Um, cool, I've not got any more. Okay, my last one. Drink for unexpected cameos. Yeah. So we have John Krasinski from The Office mm-hmm. uh, as a scriptwriter. We have John Lithgow in, I would say, Wig of the Movie. <laughs> what the fuck was that? John Lithgow and his pet wig. John Lithgow's wig was... <laughs> something else like where he got that from i i don't I, oh. what that was supposed to mean what yeah for the character he looked like he looked like a ghoul he looked like um eddie monster or something i don't know it was yeah. weird um it was, yeah, it's, hard, it's hard to picture what it was but it was like it was it was a choice, bald a on choice top, yeah. long gray hair yes it was it's very odd uh did you notice uh yvette nicole brown from community yes There's literally no lines yep just yeah. just in the back just literally an a no line extra <laughs> i'm sure there was even a scene where she runs like beside jamie fox she plays jamie fox's like pa doesn't she? something yeah there's a scene where you see her running along the corridor with him and oh i bet she had loads of lines there yeah and they got caught from the movie and she just ended up being a no line extra well when was she a star Oh, I'm sure she wasn't a star. I mean, yeah. she's still, I mean, she was on Community. She's not like a huge star today. Mm. But yeah. Well, she's I've, a big enough star to get a cameo would, role in, en- now, in Endgame. You'd think now lines. she'd have a line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know. But yes, clearly she, at this point she was a working actress. But still, yeah. I think she must have had some scenes with lines, but they just clearly got cut. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. It, it was really obvious because like I said, she's running along the corridor. It, like, I guess, yeah. It's like she's about to say something and then the camera just cuts to something else. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, a drink for surprise ca- and cameos. And also, you probably wouldn't notice, but there are a lot of cameos for... Because Dreamgirls originated as a stage show. Mm. The three actresses who play, who were in the original stage show, all have, I think, all have cameos. Right. When Eddie Murphy dies and there's that random woman at his wake who mm-hmm. gets her own song, mm-hmm. the older woman, do you mm-hmm. remember uh, yes, yes, I do actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Loretta Devine. She gets her whole bits. I think that. Uh, so, which character was she? I think she played uh, number three, Michelle Williams. Maybe really, she wasn't Effie because Effie was uh, Effie was played by Jennifer Holiday, who was not in this movie because she was really pissed off about not being in the movie. Right. Uh, but the actress who played Dina, I think, plays Dina's mom. I okay. think. I think. Okay. Yeah. So there are there are cameos for original stars as well. yeah yeah i like i like those sort of cameos yeah that's good it feels like it was a, a connections of the past yeah yeah. So, yeah well that's all i've got so nice yeah very good okay well uh, before we get to our sequel ideas if you have enjoyed this episode so far listeners and you've or enjoyed any other episode in the past then you can become a patreon of ours by going to patreon.com slash beyond the box set there you can support us for as much or as little as you think we're worth because we do a pay as you feel system mm-hmm. and with that you get plenty of bonus features you get extended versions of the main show. Mm-hmm. So more drinking games, more sequel ideas, more chit-chat about the movie, more listen submissions too. 
Uh, speaking of listener submissions, we're going to start a new thing starting from next week. Okay. Um, where we're going to start doing a, well, it's, it'll be a call-in show. Yeah. So we're not going to do it live because that sounds like way too much work. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is all our Patreons will have the option to, well, basically just record themselves with their idea, whatever whatever it is. Mm-hmm. For, could be an opinion, could be a sequel pitch, could yeah. just be a general comment. Ideally, we want, we want to make them sequel pitches. But you can do whatever you but, want. Uh, yeah. yeah, if you've got something to say about the film, then yeah, certainly. Share so, your views, yeah. Yeah, just because hey, it gets a bit boring just, just being me and John talking all the time. So try and add many other people to the mix. Sure. But hey, you might be, you might make for a really good segment at the end of the show. Or who knows, maybe it'll crash and burn. We'll give but, it a go. Uh, if so, you'll never hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, all that is going to be available at patreon.com slash set. Indeed. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle at a towering 93%? Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Cool. Now, moving on to sequels. Okay. So, I've got two. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to go first and last, or what? It's up to you. How do you want to do it? Are they both of equal length? Ish, yeah. Fine, do one, I'll do one, then you do one. Well, I, th- I think both of these, I came up with the title before the plot. Sure, okay. Always a recipe yeah. for success. Sure. So this one's called The Nightmare Boys. The Nightmare, oh, I see. So The Dream Girls, The Nightmare Boys. Okay, yeah. carry on. Is it like the Jersey the Jersey Boys? No. Okay. No. Why would I, you have seen that? I, I, I don't know what that is. No. Fine. Carry on. Uh, so Jamie Fox is is a few years later. Mm-hmm. He's still always pushing for that new sound. Okay. He wants something that's going to really make him like huge. He comes across this small group of four teenage boys who are doing a a barbershop quartet gig. Oh, okay. Interesting. And so yeah, he listens to them for a bit, and they've got really great voices. They've got some light choreography going on as well, just mm-hmm. a little bit. And he's like, okay. There is potential in this group. Okay, they've, they've they've got they've got it. Well, they've not got it yet, but they could have it. They've got potential. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he employs them, and they release their first single. Still in a, what year is this? Sorry, uh, this is late seventies. Okay. Um, so he's thinking like, okay, eighties are coming, new decade, mm-hmm. new start. Like right. we're gonna we're gonna take the eighties. And uh, yeah, so their first single it doesn't do well. It's it's the late seventies. Nobody wants a barbershop quartet. No, that, 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 that song is that that. Genre has been and gone, yeah. Yeah, retro has not been invented yet. This is this is not this is not it. Okay. So he decides to reinvent them completely to try and create an entirely new genre of music. Interesting. And he takes his time trying to work out what that is, for which we get a little musical montage of all the failed attempts. Oh, interesting! Just like failed eighties synth pop and disco and yeah, just, and with a mix of barbershop quartet yeah maybe that sort of thing yeah okay interesting. or just anything maybe they drop the barbershop quartet bit but maybe they you know keep it for some attempts and i don't know they have a lot of singles none of them none of it's working they're all very different nothing's it's not connected okay yeah but one day when he sees this this artist this 
huge artist okay. um, called Mickey Johnson. Um, Mickey Johnson. Previously from the Johnson Five. Oh, I see. Um, oh, I see. <laughs> okay, it's coming together. Okay. Has uh, sold a number one album called Horror okay. with an accompanying number one music video. It gives him an idea for a new genre. Uh-huh. Make it scary. Okay. Make it darker. Make it way more intense. Okay. And so in 1980, the birth of a new decade, he reinvents the boys as the first ever heavy metal boy band. Oh, interesting. Okay. Called the Nightmare Boys. The Nightmare Boys. So they're like full Slipknot mm-hmm. style heavy metal. Yeah. Are they wearing costumes? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like okay. Proper sort of, like, Lordy from Eurovision. Not nice, costumes. okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's your reference. <laughs> sure, <What>? okay. It's <laughs> very cute. <laughs> God damn it. Um, that's, that's what I've got here. Okay, interesting. So it's Jamie Foxx. Where's Beyonce in all this? Has she left him? You know what? She's in my she's in my next idea, which okay. could technically be in Coincide, the same world. sure, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm just wondering, like... Is but, she... but yeah, like, she's absolutely left him. She's... Okay, so she's not... Do, it's not going to be, like, a weird duet between Beyonce and a bunch of heavy metal singers? No. Okay. No, that could work, yeah. And it could be the story of heavy metal in the 80s. Because mm. yeah? that, that that was a genre that took off. It could, is is one of them... I know you've done a whole Michael Jackson mm-hmm. reference, but I mean, we, you didn't mention whether these are white boys or black boys. I mean, not that it terribly matters, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe one of them's Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, okay, yeah. So it becomes like from the story of Beyonce yeah. to the story of another rock and roll icon, it becomes the story of Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, no, that totally works. And he ends up on reality television. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Great. And it just, what, it just transitions into... Yeah, his, but, his TV but career. the soundtracks changes. <laughs> so in the first half, it's all like, you know, sanitized disco music from yep. Dreamgirls. And then it turns into 80s Total Eclipse of the Heart style stuff. Mm-hmm. That could be interesting. And yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, The Nightmare Boys. Very good. I like it. I, I think I would like to see, I'd like to see like an Eddie, an Eddie. I would like to see an Ozzy Osbourne musical biopic, mm-hmm. but it's filmed like Dreamgirls. Yeah. So it's yeah. very like, yeah. Hollywood and cheesy, but also with these like incredible death metal and bat- <laughs> people biting heads off at bats kind of yeah. style. Oh, that could work. Yeah. I'm int- into that. Okay. Do you want me to do my one next then? Yeah, go on. Go on. Sure. So I've just got the one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is called Dream Girls 2 Divas Reunited. Nice. And this is based on real events because obviously this film is based very heavily on the life story of Diana Ross and the Supremes. So I thought I would pick up on that and yeah. where they went after that. So it opens... 30 years later, in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. much like the... Oh, no, actually, no. It opens in the present day, so 40 years later. I'm mm-hmm. going to play with the timeline a little bit. It opens in the present day, so 40 years have passed. Dina, the Beyonce character, mm-hmm. is still a pop icon. She's Diana Ross. Mm-hmm. You know, Diana Ross is still a star. You know, she's yeah. still packing out the stadium. She's a. Yeah. She's had a long solo career. She's still performing. Yes. I had gigs to see with my mum before lockdown happened, and yeah. we're hoping it happens before one of them dies <laughs> <laughs> what like the supremes uh, no, my mum uh, oh diana ross <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> the supremes in your eyes yeah sure yeah no, no, it's a diana ross solo game but diana ross is like 78 <laughs> we hope we hope fingers okay. crossed um <laughs> so it's 40 years later Dina has remained a pop icon, has had a huge solo career. Mm-hmm. She's revered. She's an icon. She's a, a legend. She tours mm. on her own. Effie, on the other hand, it just never happened. Yeah. Like, even though she got that moment with Beyonce where she, or with Dina, sorry, where she gets introduced as the, as the fourth dream girl and gets the solo number, mm-hmm. that was where it peaked. Like yeah. her solo career just never took off. Yeah. It just didn't happen. So 
she has once again drifted away from the spotlight. She's not stayed famous and she's, she's bitter. She's mm. angry. She's bitter. Her and Beyonce have fallen out again. It's like, she just, she feels, still feels like Dina has stolen her spotlight. Mm-hmm. So she's been out of the business for a long time. She's had a lot of personal problems. Maybe like, she, maybe she's had drug problems, you know, mm-hmm. maybe she's like had shoplifting or, you know, all kinds of, she's just not done well. You know, mm-hmm. time yeah. hasn't been particularly kind to her and she's kind of fallen out with everyone. So she's very much estranged from the group, mm-hmm. but also Laurel, the Michelle Williams of the group, Anna mm-hmm. Canoni Rose, she has also, they've also drifted apart. She's not really part of the group anymore because she, at some point in like the eighties or nineties, after Beyonce had gone solo and the group had kind of faded away a little bit, mm. she wrote a tell all biography, autobiography mm. about her life with the dream girls as like right. the Michelle of the group, you know, yeah. as the third wheel. Yeah. Talking about how Dina basically stole the spotlight and mm-hmm. Also talking about how Effie had, you know, been a diva and had misbehaved and had caused problems, but mm-hmm. basically throwing them both under the bus mm. a little bit. And so both of them were really mad at her for doing that. And so all three of them are basically, now they're all completely not friends anymore. They're just yeah. completely splintered. No. Different lives. So that happens. So they're splintered. But then we open this movie with all that. We have some backstory about how they don't speak anymore. But the main event that opens this movie is that Jamie Lee Fox. Jamie Lee Fox is that Jamie Fox's character <laughs> Curtis. Uh, it's because Jamie Fox, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. It's all in my head. Yeah. Jamie Fox's character dies. Okay, he's dead. Good. Just of you know what old age, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he dies, and because he's like the Barry Gordy of you know this film universe, he's like this huge musical mogul who's had mm. created all these stars for all his flaws. He did create all these stars. Mm-hmm. He gets this massive like Hollywood tribute concert, which is like a big TV event. Mm, yeah. uh, and this is based on an actual show that was on in t- the year 2000 called uh, VH1 Divas Live, mm-hmm. which was a celebration of pop divas and Diana Ross and the headline and, and Diana Ross and the Supremes were the headliners. I can't speak. I'm sorry. <laughs> Diana Ross and the Supremes headlined this gig. So her ex-husband is dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, she Beyonce Dina is hired to the headline but it's supposed to be a dream girls reunion. So it's basically yeah. the dream girls reunited mm-hmm. for the first time in like 30 years mm-hmm. to headline this tribute to her ex-husband who's passed away. Mm-hmm. But because Laurel and Effie won't participate because they're not friends anymore. They didn't mm-hmm. speak anymore. They can't reunite. They mm-hmm. just can't bring it together. Uh, so instead she brings in the fourth girl, Okay. The one who replaced Effie. Yeah. And another girl who replaced Laurel, like <laughs> who was never even in the band at the same time as Dina, but right, was, yeah. in, was in like the band years later. Yeah. And just hopefully the and cameras won't to, zoom in. Yeah. Too and much. tries to, and tries to pass off that they're the dream, the, the original dream girls. Yeah. Which is genuinely what happened when Diana Ross did VH1 Divas Live. Really? She sang with two <laughs> Supremes. It was yeah. like a Supremes reunion with two girls who she'd never sung with before because they were, they joined the band after she left. Right. And it was really fakey fake. It was yeah. ridiculous. Because uh, the two originals, well, one of them was dead and the other one wasn't speaking to her. So it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> it was very phony and she got a lot of bad press. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she does this concert with the reunited dream girls, mm. but which is in reality, she gets really bad press for it. Mm. Like the show's like, this isn't a real dream girls reunion. It's fake. These are different girls. She gets slammed by the press. Like the tabloids have a field day with it. Mm-hmm. And, Effie and Laurel get interviewed about it and it causes all this drama and like it all comes out as if and basically Beyonce Dina is being painted as like this this very diva-ish kind of you know leading lady who won't let anyone share the spotlight and mm-hmm. it just it's it's a PR disaster basically it, it was a big mistake she's made a huge mistake yeah oh and also 
at the VH1 Divas Live, the, mm-hmm. the actual real thing, it was a it was lots of different artists performing, and it was like Diana Ross headlined with the Supremes. Uh, one of the acts that also performed was Destiny's Child, and this is like right. early Destiny's Child mm-hmm. when they had like you know jumping, jumping upside down, you know, very early. Sure, and um, it was just kind of funny at the time that it was like the next generation of this exact <laughs> same thing. So I think that could be like a fun in this movie where this young girl band is also performing, right? And but, maybe, but like it's beyond, it's still Beyonce playing. It could still be Beyonce, but it's like, oh, yeah, but Dina no. basically sees the next generation. It's like yeah. oh god, it's going to happen again. Like yeah. clearly, there's a star and there's two, you know backing singers here and who do you get to play young beyonce who's young beyonce good question i don't know but the point is that so beyonce sees or dina sees these young stars who are having the same mistakes that she's having you know there's mm-hmm. one being pushed to the front the other two being pushed to the back and mm-hmm. maybe that gives her a moment was, that, was to, that a fourth one at one point yeah there were four destiny children and then yeah. one got fired and, yeah. great yeah <laughs> so that really band is, has been through it really is the same thing yeah no really 100 percent the same story it's it's which yeah. makes it so funny that beyonce did this movie which is it's so close <laughs> to the bone it's hilarious like i don't know if any of the back in destiny's children are better singers than beyonce like kelly Rowland can sing i don't know if she's mm-hmm. a better singer than beyonce but she can sing mm-hmm. i don't know any other two but it's still very close yeah i don't know yeah i don't know but anyway so she sees that and maybe that gives her a bit of a moral crisis, like a crisis of conscience. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so the gig backfires. She gets horrible reviews and very highly criticized for the way she's like replaced the original girls with these two mm-hmm. faceless nobodies. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of revitalize the story of the dream girls because you know, it's 30 years later. People haven't really talked about the dream girls in a long time. It's yeah. like, it's kind of ancient history. Mm. So this, the fact that this gig goes so badly, it, it, it reignites the story in the press. And so they do get an offer after the gig has gone down to reunite as a proper trio. Mm -hmm. Now the press really wants to see the original trio, what they Mm -hmm. were denied at the concert, get back together for like a special documentary. Yeah. Like a reality documentary, like behind the music kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because they can sense that'll be really dramatic. Uh, And because she's been so badly attacked in the press for what she's, how she's treated them in the past, Dina really wants to do it to kind of win back her reputation a bit and show that she's not this horrible, you know, Mm -hmm. diva. So she really approaches the other two and tries to convince them to join this documentary to have this proper reunion Mm. so they can all tell their side of the story. And that's going to be the main part of the film. I think the main part of the sequel is going to be in the style of a documentary. Like we're talking heads with the three of them talking about their experiences in the band Mm -hmm. and they're all going to have different memories of it, but they're all going to, and they're all going to have reasons to dislike the other two and to have like Mm -hmm. resentments. So the three of them, reluctantly agree to do it and they're all being interviewed separately and it concludes with the three of them being reunited for like a all in the same room for a proper sit down tearful put it all out on the line just mm-hmm. like really yeah. just airing all the dirty laundry so they're going through all of that and it concludes with the three of them performing together again for the first time in a long time mm-hmm. because the documentary gets huge ratings they don't actually make up again they're still very angry at each other but because the ratings are so high, they still get booked into a real world tour. So they're having mm-hmm. to perform together again, even though they're still, they still hate each other. Yeah. And it's a very tense situation. But I'm thinking that while all of that is happening, while they're like having this reunion tour, which is they're kind of just all gritting and bearing because none of them really want to be there, but that, but they either need the money or they need like, mm-hmm. a, or in Beyonce's case, she just needs the publicity. Mm-hmm. They're kind of gritting and bearing through this tour, even though they don't really like each other anymore. Uh, but in the background, and the reason I wanted to set it today, is that while they're going through all of this, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement is kicking off. Mm-hmm. Much like the Detroit riots are happening in the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of in the background going on. And I'm thinking that Effie's brother, Cece, the original songwriter, mm. because obviously he was trying to write political songs back in the 70s and K 
Curtis wouldn't let him mm-hmm. like release them. He still feels very politically engaged. And he wants to get he wants to get involved, and he feels very strongly about the Black Lives Matter movement and supporting it. So he goes out to one of the protests and ends up getting beaten up by the police. Oh right! And he gets okay. he, he gets caught up in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, he gets like beaten by the police and ends up in hospital. Like, yeah. And he lives. I don't want to make it too dark. He okay. lives. It's fine. But he is you know he is hospitalized. And, and, you know, obviously because other things happen, it's going to be very much like true to life. Like maybe other people die and, you know, it's, it's, it's a big national crisis and Beyonce and the, the dream girls get invited to headline a tribute concert, like a Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter tribute or a you yeah, know, fundraising yeah, yeah. or awareness kind of concert kind of thing. Yeah. And at that moment, because Effie's brother has been, who they're all very close to, has had this near death experience and has had this horrible experience. And because they now see through the Black Lives Matter movement, maybe they talk to younger people like the lead singer of this new girl band that they've noticed mm-hmm. who talk about how like the three of them being examples of like strong black womanhood and like women who are working together mm. has inspired them and made them realize that they can be anything they want to be. Yeah. And especially with the, the political situation being what it is, it inspires them to realize, Oh wow, we actually did some really good stuff. Mm. And they and that that's the door that opens to allow them to be to, to re- reconcile and then they realize that they actually just this concert is the reason it unites them to bury the hatchet and put all of their old rivalries behind them and actually just celebrate their legacy and what they've done and yeah. bring out a positive message to the world and so it ends with a triumphant reunion concert where they actually do get along and they all like hug it out at the end and they all mm-hmm. get to sing lead a little bit they probably mm-hmm. They share equally. They decide fine after all these years. They're all going to get them out in the spotlight and it's going to be a really positive, inspirational ending and the credits will roll. Nice. That's it, yeah. So that is uh, Divas Reunited. Dream Girls 2, Divas Reunited. Yeah, that's good. I really like the way you did that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I was wondering how, how dark it was going to get towards the end there, but... Uh, no, no, I didn't want to make it I think, I think you, just, you just skated along the... Like yeah, the, no, I didn't the, want to make the right it line su- for it. Yeah, I didn't want to make it super bleak, but no, I wanted no. it to be like relevant to the times. I was thinking, yeah. how could you make a Dream Girl sequel make sense today? And I think that'd be a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. So my my second idea is called Dream Girls Two: The Awakening. Oh, interesting. Is this a horror movie? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm bored then. <laughs> <laughs> so shortly after leaving Rainbow Records, sure, Dina becomes aware of a small artist known as Diana Ross. At the same time? Yeah. Well, is, so is, is Dina older than Diana Ross or about the same age? Or? About, about, yeah, about the same age. So is Diana Ross not a star yet? She hears one of her songs on the radio mm-hmm. and notices a lot of similarities to her own songs. Okay. Thinking that Miss Ross has ripped her off, she gets in touch with Danny Glover, the closest thing she has to an agent right now. Sure. And he tells her that he's also just discovered her music. <laughs> so is Diana Ross like the biggest thing in the world right now, but it's like it's happened overnight? Kind, or is she kind of up and kind of, yeah. So like they're baffled by the fact that they've never heard of this person or the Supremes, who are apparently a thing. Okay. Even though they've got a very successful decade-long career at this point. Right, okay. So is this like a mystery? <clears throat> yeah. It's like it's, it's like an alternate universe weird scenario. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. So okay. Danny Glover gets in touch with Jamie Foxx um, and confronts him about the whole thing, just like what what is this mm-hmm. how have you not noticed that like there's this diana ross there are the supremes they're so similar to to dina and the dream girls like yeah what have you pulled yeah yeah how how, how is well how have they managed to copy this yeah that, that that we've done this original idea that we've done how have they copied it and got away with it how did you let that happen sure so jamie fox admits that uh he's been controlling all the music that they had access to 
But now that they've left his record, he's unable to do it. Oh, so Diana Ross was always a big star, but Dina was never allowed to hear her music. Yes. Interesting. One of the reasons why he actually married Dina. She was stupid? (laughs) No. Um, (laughs) So that he could make sure that she never actually heard a Diana Ross song. I mean, that's impressive. How is that possible? (laughs) I don't know. Just go with it. Okay, sure. So she's Um, never been allowed to listen to the... She's never been allowed to listen to the radio or, like, talk to other celebrities. Maybe we get, like, a little flashback montage of him just, like, frantically, like, changing radio stations or, like, causing a power cut or something. Yeah, or, I like, like I, I, I really like the idea that he's created this alternative reality that's, like, it's like the Truman Show he's keeping yeah. it trapped in. Yeah. yeah, so, like, she doesn't realize that that's happened. Uh-huh. That she's never heard of the Supremes, never heard of Diana Ross, and they've got basically the exact same careers. Sure. And so, like... Sure, Dina has had, or the Supreme, uh, sorry, Dina or the Dreamgirls, I forget which, had like a number one every year for six years running or something. Sure, yeah. But they weren't aware that like a month beforehand, the Supremes hadn't had a number one with a very similar song. Oh, and so in and they're, the, basi- in the, they're basically a cover band. So in the real world, are Dina and the Dreamgirls seen as like a lazy, cheap ripoff? They're not like the biggest stars in the world they think they are. Yeah, sure. They're like, like their number ones are all happening at like. I don't know if there's like an off peak in the year. Sure. It's like the it's like Diana Ross and the Supremes are uh, the Spice Girls and Dina and the crew with Atomic Kitten. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. They're they're a bit more low rent than they think they are. Yeah. Sure, okay. That was a very British reference, Atomic Kitten. Like, Spice <laughs> Girls you'll get American listeners, but Atomic Kitten I don't think they really translated, but yeah. So yeah, and also apparently um every time the Motown label got in touch with uh, Rainbow Records with a a cease and desist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> Jamie Foxx paid the mob to threaten them. Oh, like, wow. Because that, that was brought up in this film, wasn't yes, it? Yes, that, 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 that like, was, was the whole thing, that he was, he was in, with the, mob. in with the mob. Okay, interesting. Um, that's what the mob was doing. Okay. They were uh, threatening Motown, just mm-hmm. saying like, no, 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 don't you, don't you do that. Could it be that he's actually very much inflating Dina's popularity? And like... Quite possibly, yeah. Faking, the, like, faking out... Paying for fake charts that say she's number one when really she's at number like 72. <laughs> paying for lots of people to pretend pa- yeah, to make a film yeah. around her. The whole thing is an illusion, yeah. <laughs> she, she, she didn't win an Oscar for Cleopatra. She won an Oski. Yes, exactly. It's all, it's all, a, it's all fake. He's created yeah. a completely phony reality. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, so then Danny Glover and Dina, they, they go around all the other Rainbow Records acts and tell them that all of their careers are rip-offs. Oh dear. Another montage, of course, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to go on for... Uh, the example, they go to Mickey Johnson, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, the Michael Jackson, yeah, yeah, the artist who brought us horror. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, they introduce him to Michael Jackson, oh, who no. he's never heard of before now. How traumatic. And tell him that his band, the Five Johnsons, is just a ripoff of the of the Jackson Five. The Five Johnsons. <laughs> what a name. What a band. Name. <laughs> um, mind blown. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it the end of Rainbow Ra- Rainbow Records. Sure. I'll be honest. All, all, all the lawsuits all the, are finally caught up on yeah, them, they, yeah. When the acts cotton on that like oh my god i don't have a career my career is fake and it's, it's just making jamie fox like some money yeah um not even as much money as whoever owns motown so yeah when that happens everybody leaves but born from its ashes is a new type of music and with it comes a new label and it's called photown photown okay mm-hmm. spelt f-a-u-x yes i i, I picked that up yeah cool um and it's a record label for cover bands. Okay. All these artists, they they, they keep their names, you know, mm-hmm. Mickey Johnson and whatever else. And, sure. And uh, they just 
keep doing what they're doing, really. So they become it's, like it's, big hits on the Butlin circuit. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, basically, and that's just the birth of cover bands. Oh, interesting. Okay, so they 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 accidentally, without realizing it, they've invented the concept of the tribute act. Yeah. I like it because that that is in itself a very lucrative industry. But I like yeah, the idea yeah. that they fought their originals, and so the mid movie drama is that they are very upset that they thought they were big stars and they're not mm-hmm. but then they realize they can still have careers they just have to accept that they're a cover band and that's mm-hmm. okay that's its own living and it's a respectable one absolutely i like it as photon records photon records yeah love it very good really happy when i came up with photon yeah that's good <laughs> have you ever seen a tribute act like a notable tribute act live no i don't think i have actually no maybe i don't think i've ever I been might to have seen a... the stereophonics but it might not have been them <laughs> you think it might you can't tell i mean yeah <laughs> who can say yeah I love a tribute act name. Yeah, oh, they're the best. I love that. Name. I once, I never saw them live, but I was, I was in uh, Hebden Bridge once, mm-hmm. just like on a day out, and I saw a poster for a Bon Jovi tribute act called yeah. By Jovi. It made me so happy. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I love, I love a tribute act name. Yeah, I've seen Blue. They were basically a tribute act of themselves. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> if you stick around long enough, that's what you become. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> Cool. Okay. Shall we move on to listener submissions? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a few this week. Adam Capitano said Nightmare Girls. Great. Yeah, I guess somewhat similar to your first idea, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Just flip it around. Yeah. Nightmare, dream Girls, Nightmare Girls. Yeah. What uh, would Nightmare Girls be like? Either a heavy metal band, like you've said, yeah. or maybe it's just... It, maybe. Well, the next idea might explain that somewhat. Okay. The next one is from Dennis Fanning. And Dennis Fanning says, Dream Girls 2, Dream Warriors... Okay. Which is uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Ah, right. So again, it could be a horror movie, a full horror movie, Mm. where they exist in a a nightmare land, which might be populated entirely by cover version acts. So it could all tie back to yours. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And finally, Mikey Orlando said, RuPaul's Drag Race, bring back my dream girls? You know how RuPaul oh, says, yes. bring back my girls. Sorry, yeah, I, I t- don't know why it took me a while to get yeah. that, but yes. Bring back, bring back my dream girls. <laughs> no, so, that could be fun. Yeah, yeah totally. It could be a, a drag race. It could be a whole film based around a drag race girl group challenge. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of fun. So thank you everybody for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't miss out. To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you can also leave a five-star review if you so wish, but only if you feel we deserve it. As mentioned before, we're also available on Patreon, which is exclusively for the people who would rate us more than five stars if they could. You can find all the relevant links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. Cool. Okay, so it's a me pick next week, I believe, Harry. Yep. And I'll be honest, I'm torn. Okay. I am torn like Natalie and Brulee is torn. Great. Because I, I, I'm i not going to do a Natalie and Brulee film. I don't Thank think, God. I, I don't think there are any. Um, <laughs> but basically, so this season so far, I think we've played it quite safe. Mm-hmm. I chose a Bette Midler film. Bette mm-hmm. Midler is as much an actress as she's a singer. Mm-hmm. You chose Dreamgirls, which, yes, Beyonce and Jennifer Hudson were not known as actors, but also... I don't know. They were, they were pretty safe. Yeah. We haven't done, I feel like last time we did musicians starring in films, whether it worked or it didn't. Yeah. So on the one hand, I've got an idea, which I think would be fun to talk about, about a very big star who made a film and it was not successful. Okay. 
but then I feel like I did promise I'd stop giving you bad films. Okay. I know you had a hard time with like some like genuinely terrible films. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a choice. Okay. And it's up to you. Great. Next week, we can either do a truly dreadful Madonna film. Okay. Or we can do a very good Cher film. Okay. We know Cher can act. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> uh, which is the most entertaining? Like, because uh, is Cher doing like a serious sort of performance? Or is she doing a snap out of it? Well, the, the the good share film is, is is Moonstruck, so yes, it's her Oscar film. It's 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 an amazing film. Okay. Uh, whereas the Madonna film is a film called Next Best Thing, which I think we'll like, have some fun things to talk about. So, is it a bad film? Is it the Madonna film is terrible? The share film is amazing. Is the is the Madonna film a bad bad film or a good bad film? I've not seen it in a long time. I think there'll be a lot to talk about. I can't promise it's not a terrible film. Yeah, I'm gonna go with share. You want to go with share? You're yeah. avoiding it. Okay, we'll yeah. do Moonstruck. The next week it's Moonstruck. You want to watch that Madonna film? Get back to me. Sure. I mean, I don't know. If not, I'd not, trust not, my... not, not like for next week or something. No, I, don't, I don't know if I trust my judgment. You know, <laughs> what I consider a fun, bad film. Sometimes you just consider unwatchable. So that's, that's my concern. That's yeah, that's very true. Um, next best thing is about the plot is Madonna has sex with her gay best friend and they have a baby and then she meets a real man and then they fall out over ownership of the baby. No, I'm definitely out. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds absolutely ridiculous and I wouldn't put it past it to just be completely inappropriate. It probably hasn't aged well, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that, that's, I think, what would concern me is that it just feels wrong mm. and then it's just uncomfortable to watch. Okay, let's do Moonstruck. We know yeah. Moonstruck's a good time. Fine. I've not, I've, you, you've watched it with me. We watched it together, but I mean, it was a long time ago. You probably forgot it. So let's do Moonstruck. I mean, no, you know, I like that we watched six movies on your birthday or something. I think it was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, snap out of it. So you've got some references. But yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it's an amazing, no, Moonstruck is amazing. Cool. Anyway, thanks already for listening. Yep. Um, join us next week for Moonstruck. Yep. And if you want to take part in the episode, patreon.com yep. slash beyond the box. Dial in. I'll put the details on our Patreon channel imminently. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thank you very much. See take you later. care. Bye. Bye.